Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. I'm the co-host, Steve Spears, online news editor for stpetersburgtimes.com. And I'm Gina Vivanetto, a columnist at TBT. And what have we just been listening to, Gina? Oh, that was In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Dare I say a classic. <laughs> Dare you say it. <laughs> but what does it remind you of? The, it, that song reminds me of only one thing, and that's the movie Say Anything by our two genius uh, buddies, Cameron Crowe and John Cusack, John right? John Cusack, yeah, and that's the subject of our podcast today, Say Anything. What, uh, do you remember seeing that movie the first oh time in the theaters? Oh, my God, of course I do. Of course, I've watched it many, many times since then and very recently, but not as recently as Steve has watched it. <laughs> okay, I'll fess up. I've watched it twice in the last two nights, once with a commentary on and once with it off. I, it's probably been a couple of years since I've seen it, but I still know it line for line. And, as you know, um, this is interesting. When we were preparing for this podcast, I found out it's not just children of the 80s and teenagers that love this movie. Actually, the New York Times, none other than the New York Times, named Say Anything, one of the best 1,000 movies ever made, which is pretty high praise. I think Entertainment Weekly named it the top modern romantic comedy I'm pretty sure you're ever. right. Yeah, Entertainment Weekly top uh, modern, modern romantic romance, movie. Right, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think of uh, John Cusick as being a comedy actor and uh, Cameron Crowe certainly a great writer and director. But, you know, when you watch this movie for the first time and when you're showing it to someone who's never seen it, they don't realize this is more of a romantic movie, a straight romantic movie with a few comic moments, but I think uh, people get the wrong impression about what this movie's about. Right, exactly. The movie also stars Ioni Skye as uh, Diane, the, the subject of um, Lloyd Dobler's um, pining away for, he's pining away for Diane, the uh, school, the class valedictorian. They're kind of like, you want to sum up a, what, a little bit of what it's about? They're kind of, a, it's kind of an opposites attract movie, a very it classic is. tale. It's a, well, it's... Well, uh, yeah, an opposite track movie is nothing. Set in a pre-grunge Seattle. Right. This is is a movie that was shot in 1989 in Seattle. The first movie that Cameron Crowe ever directed. You probably know him from movies like he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He went on to do movies like Singles and Almost Famous Mm -hmm. and Vanilla Sky. He's got a new one coming out next month called Elizabethtown. But the movie... Say Anything was his first movie. He bases it in Seattle. It's a story of a sort of an outcast rebel uh, that John Cusack plays. And we'll talk more about why we think he's a rebel or why he's not a rebel. Wanting to date, wanting to date the most popular girl in school, played by Oni Sky. And what we do is we see basically the rituals of courtship. The um, first date, their, uh, their courtship, their breakup, and then their reunited you know, it happy feels ending. So good. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so good. Is that peaches? Peaches, <laughs> yeah. Peaches and herb, right? That's yeah. we're gonna save that for our. Stuck <laughs> we'll have a peach stuck our, in the seventies. Uh, we do stuck that. in the seventies podcast. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a, it's a good movie. It's got um, some other really interesting um, characters played by and John Mahoney is in there. Sure, sure. And the guy who ends up playing Fraser's dad. Right. Yeah. Right. There's lots and lots and lots of. Uh, if you know anything about Cameron Crowe and John Cusack alone, I mean, talk about Six Degrees of this. This movie is filled with trivia. And uh, interestingly, okay, we could just start right here. Cameron Crowe, who's his wife? Nancy Wilson. Nancy Wilson of Heart. Yeah, they've been together a long, long time. And you'll time. see her, if you're really paying attention, you'll see her a couple times in this movie. She's, right. she's one of the extras. They, there's a scene, actually, where Cameron Crowe and Nancy Wilson are walking down the street, if you look really closely. Right in front of the mall. Right. And uh, Ioni Sky, daughter of... Donovan. Donovan, 60s... Um, 
rock legend, sort of uh, the the hurly hurdy gurdy man. And whenever I think whenever I think Donovan, I always I always screw up, and I think it's the guy from uh, the lead singer for the Smiths, and that's not um, not not exactly. That would be Morrissey. Morrissey, uh, couldn't Morrissey, get Donovan. Donovan's about the most uh, cheerful up guy, and uh, Morrissey uh, entirely opposite. But Ioni Sky uh, dated Anthony Kiedis of the Red of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who, they do have a song in the the movie um, Taste the Pain. Taste it? the Pain. It was very, very briefly. But she was also married to Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys for a while after this movie. They're no, they are no longer together. But um, And we'll keep, as we go along with the podcast, we'll keep throwing in little bits of trivia about who's in what scene and, and who is who. And, and there's some even some uncredited stuff. Um, who plays John Cusack's sister in the movie? That'd be Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack, his, right. his real wife. Real life um, sister, yeah, and she's a. I hope she's nicer to him in real life than she is to him in the movie. She's a she's a, she's a jerk. Hey, she's g- here's mean. some quick. Name two other movies where they starred in together. Oh, um, they were both in Sixteen Candles. Yeah. You know that she plays the girl on the bus with the crazy right. head contraption. Right? right. What other movie is she with? Chris Point Blank. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. High Fidelity. High Fidelity. You're right. Yeah. Two other Dare I say classics? Dare I say? Dare he, say, he, <laughs> say, he says it every week. One, there's only one person in the world who hates it every time I say that. So. Uh, isn't that your your better half? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, you can keep saying it here. It's a safe place. You can keep saying it. Well, and we have a special guest with us today. Do you want to introduce? Right. Her? We have uh, Christina Koitsche from the TBT Buzz Squad with us. She's a huge uh, John Cusack fan, so we invited her to sit down with us today. Say as hi. our as our hey most guys. girls, right? <laughs> hi, Christine. Hey. Well, that's cool. Let's uh, let's start with some interesting trivia here. For instance, um, the song that we love so much that we identify with this movie was not actually the song that was written for this movie. Do you remember the story behind this, Gina? Um, vaguely, but you go ahead and tell it, Steve. Yeah. Once upon a okay. time. Because I have gather such a around, lo- gather around, kids. <laughs> because I have such a lovely speaking voice. <laughs> actually, the Smithereens were commissioned by Cameron Crowe to write a song for this movie, and it came up with a song called A Girl Like You, but Cameron Crowe rejected it. He thought it gave away too much of the plot. So they toyed around with a bunch of other songs. A song by Fishbone, I think, was one of the ones they thought they had decided on. And I've read, actually, that when he when he holds the boombox up right. in the movie... The famous scene when John Cusack holds the boombox up. This is sort up, of sad. I don't even want to tell them. I hate this. I know, but everyone's seen it. We're not All right. the end. No, no, no. I mean, what do you mean? I don't like the fact that when they really filmed it... That They're actually playing the fishbone fish song. song. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that because that's a, it's the best scene in the whole movie. And then they scene. overdubbed it. They overdubbed yeah. it. Yeah. They overdubbed it with a song that uh, Cameron Crowe had on his wedding tape that he was preparing. So he had the song "In Your Eyes" by Peter Gabriel. Wanted to use it, but first he had to get the artist's permission. So he calls up Peter Gabriel over in London and says, I really want to use your song for my movie. Peter Gabriel says, okay, fine, but first I want to see the movie. Right, because Peter Gabriel's kind of got a lot of integrity. He doesn't right. want to put his music to a movie that, you know, he, he wouldn't really agree with. Right. This is a great story. Go ahead, Steve. So so Cameron Crowe has the production company send the, the movie over to him. Peter Gabriel calls at night and says, you know, I, I really can't let you use it for the movie. And Cameron Crowe is shocked and says, I, Why? Well, I don't think it works with the end of the movie where he kills himself. <laughs> and uh, Cameron's like, uh, he doesn't kill himself. <laughs> doesn't kill himself? He's like, oh, this isn't the... Jo-. And uh, Peter Gabriel goes, this isn't the John Belushi movie? The no, Wired. Someone wired. had sent him a... a the production a company had sent the wrong movie to him. So, so he, he had watched the you know the John Belushi biopic right. Wired, which is pretty you know indulgent and scandalous and... Peter Gabriel did not want in your eyes used <laughs> and wired but when he finally got to see say anything I guess he liked it he did like it and goodness. did give him permission to use it um, 
for a tidy sum of about three hundred thousand dollars. Can we talk about that scene a little bit where he's holding up the boombox outside sure. of Diane? Lloyd is holding up a boombox playing. If you haven't seen this, I'm shocked. But Lloyd's holding up a boombox playing Peter Gabriel's lovely song "In Your Eyes" outside Diane's, you know, house. And he's standing there. He's got this sort of like you know de- defiant, determined look on his face playing the song, and it's just beautiful. But nowadays, I'm wondering like if a guy did that outside someone's house Stalker. now with all the stalker commotion since right. then you know would a girl be flattered or would she think you know he's borderline insane what's he doing i want to ask christine i want, to, I want her to answer this question for christine, us yeah christine you're a huge cusack fan if yes. um you you always tell me you're looking for your own lloyd dobler oh, or a dobler ganger which is absolutely. a term that you know so so tell me if if a, if a guy like that holds up a boombox outside your window one night are you happy or sad or, <laughs> or calling calling the police when you were a teenager i mean nowadays it would be really kind of strange <laughs> in your 30s or something well yeah. if i didn't know the guy i'd be a little concerned but yeah if it had been somebody who i was crazy about we broke up for whatever reason you know obviously you're still gonna have some feelings for him so if he and you're 17 yeah, yeah. 17 <laughs> or even 31 so. <laughs> you so hear that guy <laughs> so, so you're a big lloyd dobler fan oh right? absolutely what? i would love to have a Do- lloyd dobler yeah. in my <laughs> life so. or a what? dobler gang what makes him? What makes Lloyd such an ideal boyfriend? Well, he's sensitive and he's also funny. He's you can tell he's loyal to his friends. Um, um, let's see what else. He, he knows how to talk to girls. He he's got that girls. girl posse. He's got that he girl posse. Yeah, that's right. Girl, Starring Lily friends. Taylor, who I think makes the movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just oh, yeah. like Lily Taylor because you like the songs that she sings. Well, I'll get oh. to that later. But yeah. I want to continue <laughs> with this whole "What Makes Lloyd Great." And I love the fact that he can talk to women. Yeah, and of course, he's optimistic. And of course, the big scene between him and Diane, the night of passion, if you want to call it that. He talks to his female friends, you know, what's the best way to handle the situation afterwards, and he writes her a letter. Now, today, you know, the age that I am, I don't know if a letter would really suffice, but mm-hmm. if I were 17 years old and that happened to me, I think I'd, you know, really absolutely. be touched by it. Absolutely. So, so yeah. I, there's, a, there's a lot of talk about that one great scene with the uh, jukebox, with the boombox sitting on his car. One of the, one of the things that you you'll learn about it when you research the movie a little bit. Well, not like anyone's going to research the movie like we did. <laughs> what am I talking about? But uh, one of the interesting things I found out was John Cusack did not want to do that scene. He didn't understand it. He thought it was stupid and really gave uh, Cameron Crowe a hard time about trying to film it. Uh, and what you see as a result is when you're watching it, what I get out of it is you see a defiant mm-hmm. John oh, Cusack. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not a lovelorn John Cusack. It's, right. it's not someone begging for his girlfriend no, to get back. No, it's like he's telling her, this is meant to be or something. Right. Yeah. And I think it comes across. It's a brilliant um, p- little mini piece of acting there that's yeah. maybe totally incidental. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like he's letting her know, too. Like, you know, don't don't deny this. Don't deny what we have. There's a great scene, too, and there's some great, great quotes from the movie. Um Diane says to him, nobody thinks it will work, do they, about the two of them. And he says back, this is what I love about Lloyd, it's just his sheer optimism. He says, no, and you just described every great success story. See, you that's know? another positive thing. It's He's beautiful. He's right. so optimistic. Well, Cameron Crowe is known for putting lines into his movies that he thinks that people are going to pick up yeah. as a... Um, like a catchphrase As a catchphrase. Yeah. And when he, when he wrote Jerry Maguire, you have the show me the money, right. although that was not intended to be the catchphrase of that movie. <laughs> but um, the catchphrase for this movie was, I gave her my 
my heart and she, she gave, gave me, me a, a pen. pen. Right. That, he right. did intend that to be the line that people would remember. Then there's the cynical guys in the movie that, you know, he, he does have, he's friends with Lily Taylor and these, these girls and he goes to them for advice and then he's got, and we have a clip of these guys, the cynical guys. Oh, his <laughs> friends. He goes, he his goes, guy friends. Yeah, let's play, let's, let's take a few seconds and listen to the genius of uh, Lloyd and his guy friends as they discuss what went wrong in this relationship. I got a question. If you guys know so much about women, how come you here at like a gas and sip on a Saturday night completely alone drinking beers? No women anywhere. Okay. That's a great quote. I, I love it every time. I mean, what, what's missing is the punchline the where punch the guys line. where the guys answer his question. And what's their answer, Christina? Their answer is by choice, man, by choice. By choice. Right. <laughs> Who are some of the guys in that? Joe well, was actually J- Jeremy Piven is one right. of the people you'll see in that scene, and Long- you know, he's getting such good press today with his job on Entourage. But right. he's been friends mm-hmm. with John Cusack since he was eight years old. And how many? They were both in Gross Point Blank together. Gross Point Blank. They were both in. Um, oh gosh. There's a scene later on and say anything or uh, or I don't know if it might be before that or later or the same scene Jeremy Piven remembered grabs him or, or tells him you must chill <laughs> you must chill you must you chill, must chill. That's what, I have hidden your keys yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh okay so who's okay that's the big kegger party scene too who's the host of the party Eric Stoltz Eric Stoltz, Eric Stoltz. You know, he's I the rooster right he was, he was also a production assistant on this film he uh, basically did the um the scut work for everybody. He was really good friends with Cameron Crowe and just wanted to be a part of the experience since he knew this was Cameron's first directing gig. So he just basically glommed on to do the uh, that little cameo role and to give people coffee in their trailers. Oh, that's great. Trailers, yeah. Also in the party scene, okay, now I need to just give such major props to Lily Taylor who uh, went on to become such a distinguished fine. Fi- I think she's the most underrated actress of her of her generation. I just think Lily Taylor's fabulous. I can't say enough good things about her, but this was one of her early breakout roles and it's just such a funny part. She plays Corey, a really good friend of Lloyd's, and she's kind of um, turns that whole, you know, sad boy with a guitar thing on its ear because she's a chick with a guitar and she's just been dumped by Joe and everybody. I mean, you can't, this has become, you know, such a a cultural joke from people from the 80s and people our age, Steve's and mine, and I guess Christine's age. Um, Joe lies, Joe lies. She's just this girl who's just a sad sack at the party. She's just going around with her acoustic guitar, singing about her boyfriend Joe, who's broken up with her. And Joe like girl. Joe likes girls with names. Like, do you remember the names? I don't remember the names. But it'll never be me. It'll never <laughs> be me. No, no, no. And she just keeps singing all these songs about her boyfriend Joe, who's just such a loser. When you finally get with them, and. uh uh, remember, there's there's the scene where Lloyd goes up to Joe and says, "Joe, she's written 65 songs about you, and they're all about pain." And she just goes around singing. But anyway, that's Corey. Uh, also, at the party scene, you see Joe's new girlfriend Mimi. Who plays the girlfriend? Do you know? Yeah, you know, you told me this yesterday, and I still can't. It's remember. China Phillips. China Phillips, who later would go on with being Wilson Phillips, and she's also the daughter, like Ioni Sky, of another big prominent musical figure from the 60s. Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, so I wonder if they got, you know, if China and Ioni got together during this filming and said, hey, what was it like to be a big hippie (laughs) hippie kid in the the 60s? But um, I just love Lily Taylor so much in this. And there's another... There's another part, there's another quote from the movie when he goes to the girls to talk about, you know, his obsession with Diane and his love for her. And one of the girls says, Lloyd, what do you have to, why do you have to be like this? You know, why do you have to be so obsessed? Lloyd says, because I'm a guy, I have pride. Corey says to him, 
you're not a guy. He says, I am. She says, no, the world is full of guys. Be a man. Don't be a guy. I love that part. Yeah, she finally she gets her zinger in there. Yeah. But I think a lot of people remember Lloyd for the long, rambling yes. quote that he gives when people ask him, what's it's he going to do for a career? Dare I say it's a classic. <laughs> See, it is a classic. Let's take a break here and listen to this great uh, rambling speech by Lloyd as he describes his future career ambitions. I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed or buy anything sold or processed or process anything sold, bought, or processed or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. Wow, that's a great quote. It's a great, great speech. I remember seeing that as a young person, as a teenager, and thinking this guy has such integrity because he's really just speaking the truth. He's not trying to impress the dad or anything. How did, As a young man, when you saw it, Steve, how did you feel when he said that at the I, table i think i was i remember being impressed that someone could be that honest i mean i think at that point in your life a lot of guys don't really understand the value of just being totally honest and wearing your heart on your sleeve the way he did mm-hmm. and i think that was what came across to me as such a shock that he didn't try to bs the parents right that's what makes him lloyd dobler that's why he's the lloyd <laughs> what did you think christy when he said it well, to be honest, I mean, I did appreciate the fact that he's being honest, but at the same time, it's like, well, he doesn't really have any goals, does he? Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, well, he's admitting that he doesn't really know what he wants to do. He, does, he wants to do kickboxing. Right. But, but it was so honest. I mean, yeah, at that it age, it it's like, I don't really know what I want. And remember what he also said? I want to spend as much time yeah. with, with your, your daughter, daughter as possible. And which was so awesome. You, it was so true. This is where you really start <laughs> to see what they establish as the um, Lloyd Dobler against... Um, Diane Court's father the here you have Lloyd being totally honest wearing his heart on his sleeve and the whole time the father is being dishonest right. we don't know this at this right, point right. but as the movie continues we later find out he's been cheating old people the entire time right and, and he gets sent to prison right and the movie starts to wrap up and I know there's a lot of disagreement among people whether or not this is a happy ending is this the appropriate ending for the movie I know Cameron Crowe got a lot of grief from people who thought you know, why does the father have to go to prison? And he said, well, if it doesn't, it, then it's just pretty in pink. So, but Christina, you, you're, you're like, you don't think the ending is as good as I do, right? No, I don't. It's almost like the movie changes as soon as he gets arrested. It's like now it's about the father and the daughter when my whole thought was it was about Lloyd and Diane. And now suddenly, oh, you know, she's sad because he's going to prison and blah, blah, blah. So to me, it just wasn't a strong ending. I mean, maybe I'm just influenced by John Hughes films where they're always, you John, know. John Hughes has. They get I, the girl or whatever. Yeah, but so, his, his are so hokey the way he yeah. sometimes gets the girl. I like what I like about this movie is that it's, it's such an honest ending. It's I think it's the way it should end. And I love the scene when they're in the plane and they're scrunched up together holding on for dear life because uh, the girl's afraid of flying and right. John Cusack tells her what does he tell her he t- <laughs> everyone's looking <laughs> at me remember. with like a deer in the head like <laughs> he says because he goes, he goes, anything bad's going to happen it's going to happen in the first five minutes so he tells her as soon as the little no smoking light right. goes ding yeah, right. that um, everything will be fine so they sit there for the last two minutes of the movie basically is us watching right. Lloyd and Diane stare at the lights on the airplane waiting for that cute little ding and that's that's how it ends. It's, it's it's an interesting movie. So we all love it. We all hope you see it. Yeah, it's a great movie. Take time to rent it again. Look at it. If you think we're wrong, come to our blog at uh, sptimes.com slash blog slash 80s. Tell us we're wrong. We love that. But in the meantime, until you do, Gene and I are hopelessly stuck here in the 80s with John Cusack and Ioni Sky on the airplane <laughs> waiting for that little stupid ding. Any second now.